You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. TCU! What happened? God, 65 to 7? Are you joking? Hey, what happened? Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what we're all asking this afternoon. Uh, welcome into Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Before we dive too deep into the show, let me just apologize. I was way wrong. Way wrong. James, I did not. I No. No, sir. Don't you, you wait your turn. I came on this show yesterday. And I said that if I had offered you any betting advice in the past, none of it was better than TCU and the points. Well, that was just silly. <laughs> that was just silly. I'm so sorry. I, I I swear, I I hope none of you took that advice. Because and, and you know it's it's funny because I've always heard the phrase Vegas knows something that we don't. So true. It's so true. We all looked at 14, that's absurd. No, it's not. No, it's not. It should have been more. It should have been 27. It should have made it 50. This was this was a bludgeoning. The frogs died, and Uga said, Nah, I'm not done yet. I'm not done. Get up. It's like a street fight where you have to knock somebody unconscious. The guy's already out, but you're just having too much fun. So you're like, Nope, get up. Come on. Wake up. Let's stand back up so I can hit you again. It's like Mortal Kombat when they're kind of just wobbling. And you're you're trying to do your finishing move, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, Georgia had about six finishing moves in the arsenal, and they used them all. It, it was funny because in in the post game, I can't remember if I got it in. I I got so many Kirby Smart clips. I can't remember if this is in one of them, but I remember or it was Stetson. He he had said, um, there were a couple of plays that we didn't call that we were looking to call. We just never got to them. Oh, <laughs> like this! It was so bad. I, I saw a I saw a three minute video just showing tweets of NFL stars and athletes alike just talking about the game. Like Miko Harmon, he was like, "Look, dude, th- this is why I was saying TCU should not have been in there, and Alabama should have." Which I don't necessarily no. agree with. Wrong. Because if that's the case, then why was Michigan that there? that argument is it is crap? All oh, TCU didn't. That's crap. TCU deserved to be there. Alabama would have made it a more... It would have been more competitive, It would have been sure. a lot more competitive of a game. TCU earned their spot in the playoff, and mm-hmm. then they earned their spot in the title game. Correct. They were just outmatched by Georgia. It was the inexperience of playing SEC teams. But guess what? Everybody's mad. P- people are getting upset about the 12-team playoff. 
a 12-team playoff? You have all those players. E- you have all those teams. Eliminate to this. You don't have a 65-7 to national championship game with a 12-team playoff. You want to know why? Because TCU would have been outmatched in the quarterfinals. They just would have. This game was so outmatched. If Georgia really wanted to, they could have put up at least 80. Oh, of course. They could have of easily course. put up 80. If Stetson Bennett plays four quarters, they score 80. They took him out at the 13-minute mark mm-hmm. of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And they still scored two more touchdowns. Carson Beck, baby. Future of Georgia football. Which is, which, which is funny because one of the reporters had asked Kirby, like, okay, well, Stetson is 37 years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he's, he's definitely gone. This was his last one. We, we all knew about this. But, like, what's left in the QB room for you? Well, we got some good quarterbacks in there. We got one that took a black jersey off and took hits all week so he could be uh, Max. And uh, Gunnar Stockton said, you know what? He said, Coach, take my, take my shirt off. I'll, 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 I'll take the hits. You know, Brock Vandergriff's done there learning all year. Carson Beck got a lot of play time and has a lot of composure um, to come back and, and be able to play. So those three guys will get to battle it out, and uh, they'll learn a lot. You know, Coach Munkin does an unbelievable job in that room. And he did an unbelievable job with, with Stetson. And the fact that he's playing in an NFL offense where there's an NFL coordinator who coached NFL quarterbacks should tell people that, you know, he's not going to get marbles in his mouth when he's got to spit out seven-word calls. And a lot of NFL teams like that. It's interesting. So uh, it sounds like he's pretty confident in his room. Yeah, uh, as, as he should be. Of course. <laughs> I was like, those are your guys. <laughs> it, well, not only that, but it's Georgia. Yeah. You always get the top of the top recruits. So here's when, when you're a top tier SEC school. So here's the thing. Last night's win mm-hmm. was the largest margin of victory in a title game since the creation of the Bowl Coalition in 1992. The Bowl Coalition is was created to put the top two teams together for a national championship game. The Bowl Coalition became the Bowl Alliance, then the BCS, and now the College Football Playoff. Before this, the biggest margin of victory was when Nebraska beat Florida 62-24 to in the 96 Fiesta Bowl. Now, you look at last night's game, Stetson Bennett, 300 yards passing. Could do no wrong. 40 yards on the ground, had six total touchdowns. Didn't turn the ball over one time, and that and that was what something we had talked about. If no, oh, yeah, Georgia's is not turned. TCU over. was going to have to force turnovers to win the game, and they didn't. You know the 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 question that that a lot of people have asked today is, where does this Georgia team sit compared to maybe a, a twenty nineteen LSU or even a twenty twenty Alabama? So. Got some, got some did, interesting. Did stats. some, did some research on this. Got some, got some, got some knowledge, if you will. Knowledge. This is comparing the th- those three teams: twenty nineteen LSU, twenty twenty Alabama, and twenty twenty two Georgia, against top twenty five teams. We'll start with twenty nineteen LSU. Played seven games against top twenty five teams. Scored forty two point four points per game in those matchups. Had a point differential of fifteen point four. And had the sixth strength schedule. Okay? Great numbers. Obviously. I mean, some people say LSU's 2019 team is the greatest college football team to ever exist. 
2020 Alabama. They played five games against the top 25. 45.4 points per game. Had a point differential of 19.2. And had the third strength schedule. And then you get to Georgia. They had the 11th strength schedule. Point differential of 29.4. They scored 46.4 points per game against seven top 25 teams. So the best comparison out of these three is to take 2019 LSU and 2022 Georgia and put them together. Seven games apiece. Georgia scored more points per game, had a higher point differential, but they had a lower strength of schedule. And then you take it a step further, compare the rosters. Who's a better quarterback, Joe Burrow or Stetson Bennett? Joe Cool. Who's a better receiver, Justin Jefferson or Darnell Washington? Justin Jefferson. Jamar Chase or... Lad McConkie. Lad McConkie. Jamar. Kenny McIntosh or Clyde Edwards-Alaire? You're going with McIntosh on that one. So it's... And then tight ends, Thaddeus Moss or, or Brock, Brock Bowers. Bowers. You can go with either one of the, the, the Georgia tight ends. You're, you take both of them over Thaddeus Moss. And I, I, I liked Thad. I liked Thad. He was cool to throw to every he's, once in a while. He's, 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 not, he's just not that dude. No. Um, so, you know, it, it's, a, it's a fair comparison... However, I think there's levels between there's, there's levels between Stetson and Joe. There there is there there just is. Um, LSU paved the way for Georgia to do this, and Alabama paved the way for LSU. Just how it works. But man, I'm gonna tell you something. At halftime last night. When David Pollock looked at Nick Saban dead in the eyes and basically said that Georgia was passing him by, I thought Nick Saban was going to put the fear of God into him on national television. He just looked like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> he, was, he was hurting on the inside with that one. You, you remember when that UCF defender hit Joe? hit Joe after that pick? Yeah. That's what Nick Saban's about to be. Just going to let you know. Alabama in 2023 is going to be wow. That that group's going to be special. Just going to going to call it now. My my way too early prediction. Bama's going to be freaky in 2023, but the game hotline is 337-706-0111 and here in Acadiana you can watch us on the simulcast stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS Fiber. We're only going to have 90 minutes of a show today. Correct. LSU basketball tips off at 6, pregame is at 5:30. So we're going to so, cut off right at the 30 minute mark. So if you want to get your calls in, now's the time to do it on the game hotline. But no, Kirby Smart following the win last night talked about what the biggest challenge is going to be for this team if they want to win a third straight national championship. The biggest challenge is the same thing it is in all of the world. The world we live in today, it's society we live in, entitlement. So the minute that you think you're entitled to to winning games and, and you don't have to work hard, 
Coach, Coach Dykes and I were talking about it. You know, the, the uphill battle for those guys is you think that you just inherit success. And uh, I personally think next year is going to be a much, much more difficult challenge over this year because we had so many guys leaving last year. Uh, we got a lot of guys coming back. And uh, unfortunately, this one right here is not. And uh, tell you a quick story. I walked into my little, they got a real nice head coach's office in that room over there. And I don't know if Stetson knows this, but I walked in and my 10-year-old son, Andrew's balling. And I was like, oh, no, somebody's hurt his feelings. Somebody's thrown him down. Somebody's done something to him. I said, why are you crying? You're going to ruin my moment. He said, Stetson's leaving. <laughs> Stetson's gone. I said, he's 25 years old. He's got to go. Got to leave. But he's bawling about Stetson being gone. And, you know, most of our team, we'll have a lot of guys coming back. We're going to lose some really talented guys, probably going to lose some juniors. But the disease that creeps into your program um, is called entitlement. And I've, I've, I've seen it firsthand. And if you can stomp it out with leadership, then you can stay hungry. And uh, we have a saying around our place, we eat off the floor. And if you're willing to eat off the floor, you can be special. He's 25. He's got to go. Get him out of here. That's so funny. Poor, poor kid, though. He just doesn't get it yet. He, he's only 10. He just reality he, hasn't set in. Stetson, Stetson stays forever, right? That's that's so funny. Let's go to the hotline. Martin, what's up? So basically, you can say that Stetson Bennett's the bacon 45 of college football right now, right? In case you don't know who Bacon 45 is, oh, who Jim Rohn calls uh, Tom Brady. Oh, I, I'm, a, I'm aware. I, I'm not willing to agree to that, though. Uh, all right. But I'm not calling in the show today to congratulate the Georgia Bulldogs because I cannot stand the Georgia Bulldogs. But let's, pump, let's, let's, let's kind of pump the brakes there, you know, because I know all the media is going to hype them up, okay? Bama, let's not forget, Bama won back-to-back championships as well, okay? Um, another number. I'm gonna throw a few numbers out there. How many national championships has Nick Saban won? Uh, eight, I believe. Okay, Kirby Smart has won two national championships. How many straight ten-win seasons has Nick Saban had at Alabama? Uh, I don't know offhand. You had ran that, that I, I don't know, if it, but I know it, you had ran that stat of maybe like a month or two ago, and uh, I think it's like his like ninth or tenth straight 10-win season or something he just had. But anyway, I'm not taking no credit away. David Pollock is, he was a good uh, college football player, okay? He's a good uh, sports analyst. But to say that Georgia is creeping up on Bama, you know, it, it is modern day, yes. But overall, they are nowhere close to where Bama is right now. Even back in the Bear Bryant days. Come on, man. Okay. When Georgia won a national championship last year, when was the last time they had won a national championship? How many years was it? It was, 19, it was 1980. Okay, thank you very much. So, I'm not going to congratulate the Bulldogs because, like you said in the opening segment, Bama will be a force. I mean, as long as Nick Saban is at Alabama, they will be in the national championship picture for a long time. So, 
yes, Georgia beat uh, a weak TCU team last night. You know, and if they want to celebrate that victory, go ahead, go ahead. But don't forget that 2023 is a whole new year, and Alabama's coming, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be Bama in the SEC championship that they're going to have to see. You know, I'm not taking no credit away from LSU. LSU can be a sneaky good team next year. You know, Brian Kelly's a real good coach. You know, I'm giving credit where credit is due. You know, he did awesome things in his first year. But, you know, next year he ain't going to have Stetson Bennett. You know, and let's not forget who uh, Kirby Smart takes his blueprint from. Oh, we know. Oh, I know. You know? So let's let's kind of pump the brakes, you know. All, yeah. But you know, when 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 Kirby Smart wins a few more nine, maybe we'll start saying that maybe Georgia's kind of. But all this all this nonsense, you know, is just ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I, I watched five minutes of the game when I seen, you know, what Georgia, how what kind of fire was lit on them. I was like, this ain't gonna be competitive whatsoever. Yep. You know, so I quickly flipped it back to WWE Raw. But anyway, appreciate uh, the call, Martin. Thanks for taking my call and roll tide, baby. All right, so let's let's do this quickly before we take a break. Nick Saban has been coaching college football for 27 years. 16 of those have been at Alabama. In those 16 seasons at Alabama, he's won six national championships. Pretty solid. Almost every other year. I mean, if, if, if that's not a dynasty, I'm not quite sure what it is. Okay, so credit where credit's due. Kirby has been coaching for seven years. And in those seven years, he's already won two. And he appeared in three. Appeared in three, correct. Won two. Law of averages... I, 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 at this rate, they're the same coach. And it's like, if you want to look at the whole history of Georgia and Alabama, sure, but what Pollock was talking about was more recent history. Correct. Last five years, Georgia is catching Bama. And we've seen it the last two years. With they are back-to-back. They are recruiting at a very similar level to Alabama. They are playing at a very similar level to what Alabama's been playing. And like we just said, Kirby Smart cut his teeth under Nick Saban. I'm starting to think that, you know, obviously Nick Saban's still on the top of the mountain, but Kirby's sitting on that that last little cliff before you make that last little climb to the top. Just... Just going to throw that out there. We'll take a timeout when we return. Hear from Kirby Smart and Stetson Bennett following their historic win last night inside SoFi Stadium right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. That speaks for himself. Uh, The way he leads, uh, the way he prepares, 
Um, his his mental makeup is such of a quarterback um, that believes he can make every throw. And what he did tonight was truly amazing. I mean, probably had his best game of his career, in my opinion, with some of the checks he made, some of the decisions he made, uh, just really elite. Um, I want to thank our fans for traveling all the way out here. I hope they understand the message I'm about to say. They can't take it for granted. You know, you can't take opportunities like this for granted. And they showed up in full force, and they better never get tired of it because we need them here. We need them to back us. And you can't become complacent as a fan, and we can't become complacent as coaches. Stetson Bennett. I mean, what, what more What more can you say about the young man? Dude could do no wrong last night. Last night was in- incredibly impressive. And I know people have doubted his his playing abilities for, for his entire career now. And, you know, at times so did I. But, I mean, last night. He, he shut you up. Yeah, I mean, he what, – what, po- point out one thing he did poorly. I think, I think one play that really stood out from him that kind of was like the whole – kind of pictured the whole game was whenever they sent a six-man blitz and number 13 for TCU was mm-hmm. coming off the off the left side and he kind of faked him out and was like, oh, you're about to give me? Psych! Roll out to the left and pick up the first down on third and ten. Correct. And it was funny because Kirby actually had talked about that scramble. He saw a max blitz and he beat the max blitz and ran for a first down in one of the biggest plays of the game, which takes a phenomenal athlete and he knew what was coming, and he set the guy up. And uh, he did a change of protection and made an elite throw. Uh, he schemed up a run, ran a midline run, which nobody runs. He ran for a touchdown because he's got a tackle that's like a tight end out there in Broderick. And when you got a quarterback that can do the protections and check things and know what the defense is doing but yet still beat you with your feet, you got a high-level quarterback. And people have slept on Stetson Bennett for too long. He needs an opportunity to play for a long time at the next level. So I'm glad I'm glad you played that clip because that brings me into my next question. What type of NFL career does Stetson Bennett have? It's a very good one. I think it really depends on who drafts him. Who takes a chance on the 25-year-old? Where do you draft him? Is he a is he a day 2 guy? Or I think I think with Stetson cuz I he's he's looked good. He looked really good this year and especially in that in last night's game. But you also have to really take into account how old he is. Because mm-hmm. we've seen plenty of other quarterbacks come into if, the league at at a later age than most do. If he was in the NFL right now, he would be the seventh youngest QB in the league. So six starting QBs are younger than him. Yeah. That being Herbert, Jalen Hurts. T-Law. Trevor Lawrence. Zach Wilson. Zach... I think two was younger than him. Two is younger. Mac Jones. I think I think those are the six. Yeah, I think those are the six that are younger than him. Um, so it's so, like to me, to me, age still plays very much a factor in the draft process of where do you actually take him. Yeah, that and and that's fair. because it also depends on the QB carousel that's going to go on this offseason. because. Uh, we expect quite a few moves to be made by multiple teams moving on from one quarterback and going to another. So yep. it kind of depends what are the QB situations for most of these teams. And to me, I could see him with how he played this game and what he looks like in his pro day. 
and at the combine. Depending on how it goes, correct. I could I could see him being a late day two. Other, yep. Otherwise, I see him as a day three. I see him an early I see day him, three. I see him as an early day three. Yeah, I could see that if it's That's really fair. good. If it looks really good, and he kind of starts to pick up steam, then I'm thinking he's going to go more in the mid to late third round. That's fair. That's fair. Um, poll question today: The Saints restructured the contract of Michael Thomas over the weekend. Does that mean he's gone? What is his future in New Orleans? look like is he leaving or is he staying so far on twitter 73 percent of you say no doubt he's leaving and 27 percent say i think he stays we got some comments Tom chimed in this dude has played fewer games in the last two years than chase daniel that's a small exaggeration but only a small one Steve says his career was over with the Saints two years ago. They just paid him for one outstanding year. That's the kind of occupation everyone wants. Hashtag can't play Mike. Ralph gives us the in sync bye 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 gif, which is which is fair. Um, David chimes in. You forgot a choice. Who gives a crap? Well, uh, I mean, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> it's always interesting when I hear or when I see comments like this, like. Who cares about this? Well, uh, quite a um, few people. A, a, lo- a, a lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot of people do. Um, but uh, okay. And then Darren says, why y'all don't treat him like y'all treat Zion? I'm Darren, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what you mean. Are, are you... I, I, I don't understand the, the comment. James, do you? Do you? Um, I'm kind of confused because... Initially, Zion, when he was injured, when he was when he didn't play all of last season for the Pelicans, I mean, he was also getting put into question of like, Correct. does he even want to? Does he even want to be with the Saints? And that's been the whole thing with Mike Thomas the last two years. And then, yes, I mean, has Zion been injury prone the last couple of years of his career, or the first couple of years of his career? Really? Yes. Yeah, he's he missed has a lot of time. But here's the thing. What Zion Williamson has done for the Pelicans franchise. On the court, off the court, all of it. The energy that he has brought back to Pelicans basketball cannot be quantified. It has not been replicated by Mike. It can't be quantified. Now, for those two or three years that Mike played every season, 16 games a year, and he had Drew Brees as his quarterback... Was Mike a dog? Absolutely. One of the top receivers in the league. But Drew, to, to, to me, Zion Williamson is on the same level as Drew Brees. Granted, Drew did a lot more on the field than Zion has done so far. But from what he has done for the city, Zion Williamson and Drew Brees are on the same level to me. You you can't put into numbers and words and statistics what Zion has done for that franchise. You just can't. And and for the majority of it, he's done it from the bench, but he's still done it. I mean, please tell me when the last time the Pelicans sold out the Smoothie King Center on a weeknight. Hell, sold out the Smoothie King Center at all, other than a playoff game. It just hasn't happened in recent years. 
Zion has changed New Orleans. He just he just has. And there there's no other way, there's just no other way to say it. You can get Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon on Monday, February the 20th, four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. You can wear a costume and enjoy free drinks throughout the course served at the Adult Hydration Station. A party bus will follow close behind so runners can jump aboard at any time. Run all, run some, or run none. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest and craziest friends. It's the Lundy Gras Barathon. Free drinks, free food, and prizes. You can register now at latrail.org. We'll take a timeout. Jay Walker joins us next for Cajun's Corner. We'll talk some raging Cajun's basketball here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Walker, how are you, sir? Lovely. I'm just lovely. Um, Lovely, I say. Lovely. I'm so glad to hear it. I'm so glad to hear it. So the Louisiana Raging Cajuns sitting at 12-4 and four on the season. They're now 2-2 two and two in the Sun Belt following two wins at home. You know, we'll start with the Southern Miss game last Thursday night, a 75-61 to 61 game that the Cajuns never trailed it. What were your thoughts on that performance? Well, you know, I, I think that there was one thing about both of the games last week that was a market improvement over the two on the road, and that's that the Cajuns defended better. I, I really thought that overall the Cajuns played excellent defense, uh, especially in the game uh, against Southern Miss. And, you know, when you do that and you hit shots early in the game, then you're going to have a great chance to win. And the Cajuns did that in both games. And as a result, you know, you're talking about a 14-15 point lead at halftime. And look, when you're playing at home and you lead by that much, there's a really good chance you're going to win. Now, you know, and then the Georgia State game, you and I talked about it following the game. It's always great to win, but it's it's really special when you can beat a rival like that that's had your number for the last handful of years. Yeah, you know, and 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 look, the players are all different. The coaching staff is all different. Um, so if you want to get technical, you know, did you beat the team that you hate? No, probably not. But they still wear Panthers across their chest, right? And and because of that, you know, you go into that, and and that's one that you really really want. And and they were able to get it. And again, I thought they did it in convincing fashion, and and that made it especially nice. Talk about the performances of, you know, Kentrell Garnett and Jalen Dowcourt, two guys that, you know, have they've been contributors, but, you know, you look at that Southern Miss game where Jordan Brown was held to only eight points and you needed the contributions to come from somewhere else. So famous folks, Kentrell Garnett, step up in that game. And then, you know, Jalen Dowcourt Saturday night providing 11 points off the bench. You know, one of the things I like about Garnett, Matt, is he doesn't take very many bad shots, you know, and he was open, um, and so he took the shots, and he was able to hit them. And then in the game on Saturday, he took one shot, uh, and it was uh, actually driving to the basket as opposed to a a three-point attempt. 
And that's one of the things I like about Cantrell. He's a, he's a pretty smart player, and he doesn't take bad shots. Now, if he's not going to be an offensive contributor, somebody else has to be, and that and that's where Dalcourt enters the room. Now, Jalen is one of those guys, you know, coming off the bench that's capable of providing instant offense. Now, he didn't have a great game um, against Southern Miss, but he came in at a couple of clutch shots and, and made some uh, made a couple of clutch free throws uh, in the win over Georgia State. And you know, Dalcourt is one of those guys that his teammates absolutely love him. He's he's really probably the biggest vocal leader on this team. Uh and he's a guy who doesn't question uh his um his role on the team. I think he sets a great example for the rest of the club. When he has success, his teammates are really really happy. Uh and and I'm always glad when he has success because I just like the way he handles his business. You know, Jay, it's hard to to find negatives in, in two wins in, in a week. But you know, looking at those two wins, if there was one thing that stood out to you that you know this team needs to improve on, what what do you think that is? I, you know, I think consistency on the defensive end. Um, you know, they 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 shoot a good percentage. Um, they're they're. Um, a much above average, you know, not spectacular, but an above average free throw shooting team. Uh, they rebound the ball very well. They do a lot of things. And, and, and look, their turnovers are way down this year. Their assist to turnover ratio is outstanding. The one thing that they need to do better is be consistent defensively. And, you know, uh, if they're going to do that and then be, be consistent in the other areas where they're already playing well, they're not going to lose a heck of a lot of games the rest of the way. But I, but at the same time, we've seen what happens if they don't defend well. So um, they got to be consistent in that role, and that's the thing that I want to see them do away from home because they seem to do it pretty well at the Cajun Dome. And that during these four games that are coming on the road, the one thing I'm going to be looking for is are they consistent defensively. Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajun's Corner. Looking ahead, Jay, four straight on the road. You start with ULM Thursday night before going to Mobile. ULM off to a, a pretty good start, currently sitting fourth in the conference, tied for first uh, with a 3-1 and one conference record. Just kind of talk about Keith Richard's group and, and uh, the, the matchup with the Cajuns. Well, let me say first of all, I have a ton of respect for Keith Richard as a man and as a basketball coach. You know, he was asked to come in and take over this program when when they were in, honestly, they were maybe in some trouble of having their program disbanded because they were in such bad APR shape. And for the first couple, three years, they told him, look, bring in good students. We don't care if they can play basketball. And so he had a, you know, he had a 2-23 and season in in. And, you know, he's up there, and they got no money. But let me tell you something, this guy's a good basketball coach. And, um, you know, he's had some injuries uh, to a couple of big guys. And so right now they're playing seven guys. They have not had more than seven players play in a game since conference play started. Their five starters are all playing 32 to 38 minutes. But they got a couple of guys who can shoot it. Uh, they got uh, they, they are a team that doesn't turn the basketball over, and and I've never seen 
a Keith Richard coached team not play hard. Now, Cajuns are going up there, and the Cajuns have a big advantage in the all-time series. But since Keith Richard has been at ULM, the Cajuns are just 6-6 six and six in Monroe. Now, they've dominated here in Lafayette, but only 6-6 six and six in Monroe. And I keep going back to the year that the Cajuns were in the NCAA tournament. They opened up conference play in Monroe and got beat in double overtime, even though Alfred Payton had a triple-double that night. So, you know, you can never assume anything when you go up to Monroe because those guys are going to play hard. Uh, Usually against the Cajuns, they play well, and they're not going to do anything to beat themselves. And then the Saturday matchup with South Alabama – you know, the Jags are one of those teams where I feel like every year they're that dark horse contender. You know, look, look out for South Alabama. They could make a run. And then it just seems like they, they always fail to deliver. South Alabama, look, I'm, I'm just going to say it very succinctly, and it's nothing personal because I don't know the guy. But I'm not a big fan of how Richie Riley puts together his basketball program at South Alabama. You know, he's got a new team every year. He brings in a boatload of transfers. They very rarely have good chemistry. And because of that, they're usually underachieving by the end of the year. Now, this year they're playing differently because I don't think they're as athletic as they've been in the past. A couple of the transfers they brought in have been from, like, Division II schools and, and, and Riley himself said that sometimes when you bring in too many guys from big schools, you get chemistry issues. It, it took him four years to figure it out, but he finally has. This South Alabama team's got a big seven-footer in the middle um, named Keith Samuel that the Cajuns actually have seen because he started his career at TCU. And, uh, you know, he's seven feet, about 260 pounds. He takes up a lot of space. He, he doesn't step outside and shoot the basketball. Most of the scoring is around the basket. Very good rebounder, very physical guy, and a horrible free-throw shooter. Um, they've, uh, but they've got three guards who are capable of shooting the basketball. The problem for South Alabama is they haven't shot it very well. Now, they got one guy who's shooting 55% from three in conference play. But as a team, they're, um, they're under 30% three-point range and under 40% in overall field goal percentage. And and that's why South Alabama is trying to keep the score down. If you look at South Alabama in the past, they're, they're playing in the 70s and 80s, and they're fine with it. But if you look at South Alabama's scores this year, there's a lot of games being played in the 50s because Riley feels like they've got to shorten the amount of possessions based on the fact they're not a very good shooting team, which reminds me a little bit of how Georgia State plays. So I'm going to be interested to see if I'm right about the similarity between those two teams. Never easy in the Mitchell Center. Won't be easy on Saturday. Um, but I think you're right about South Alabama with, with what you had to say about them. Every year you go, man, that team's got enough talent to win it, and then they don't. This year they don't have enough talent to win it. So let's see if they do. Jay, as we wrap up, two-time national championship winning quarterback Stetson Bennett. Do you remember when he was almost a Cajun? Yeah, sure I do. Fun, fun, um, fun times, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they all he he 
look, he was at Georgia. He was a walk-on, decided to go to a junior college. His dream was to play for Georgia. Uh, he had been a Georgia fan since he was just a tiny kid. Um, but Georgia didn't offer him, and so he, um, he, he committed uh, to Billy Napier to come to Louisiana. And then Georgia decided to offer him a scholarship. And when that happened, well, obviously he was going to go to Georgia. But, yeah, look, if they'd have waited too much longer, he'd have wound up being a Cajun. And, and that would have been really interesting. But he was where he was supposed to be, Matt. And, you know, for, for a kid that really wasn't very highly thought of, really isn't considered to be much of a pro prospect, but he goes out and leads them to two national championships. Stetson Bennett's a great story in college football. Yeah. Uh, and, and I hope it's a story that continues to be told for a long time. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. He was absolutely where he was supposed to be, and what a, what a storybook ending for that young man. Jay Walker joining us here on Cajun's Corner. Jay, appreciate you as always. Safe travels to Monroe Mobile, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Go Cajuns. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajun's Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. You're home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 4.54 on the clock as we're finishing up hour number one of one and a half, I guess you could say, since this is only a 90-minute show because of LSU men's basketball tonight as they take on Florida. Looking at an update on the poll question, it's slightly moved. Got a few more votes in. Straight up at 73% now. We had to round up before. We got a couple more votes on. No doubt that Michael Thomas leaves because... We're asking, is Michael Thomas' career over with the Saints? Yes. We got a, we got a couple of uh, of comments on Facebook. One was by Damien. I'm, it went away. I, I lost the tab. I saw. I had seen a couple of uh, of votes, and both of them were saying that he's leaving. Uh it seems to be pretty unanimous at this point. Well, the the thing is this, uh, and you know we can't go too deep in it because we're pushed for time here in hour number one, but if you were going to restructure a guy's contract to where his base salary is the absolute minimum and you convert everything to a signing bonus, that doesn't have to be paid to him if he's not a member of the team by a said date. Your plan is to get rid of him before said date. I mean, that's just the writing on the wall. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because one of the things that the Saints could really use is a wide receiver. And not just like any old wide receiver, a possession kind of X receiver that's a big body that can make those contested catches. And who fits that bill? Michael Thomas. But unfortunately, it seems the last couple of years. It's been soured. The relationship felt like it could be repairable. You thought maybe it was going to work out the season, and then yet another setback with another injury for the third year in a row. And looking looking at the comments on Facebook, Damien had said, no doubt he leaves. He's been trying to set that up for years, and then Paul says he's gone. Maybe he could get something for him. 
but considering his history, doubt it. Which I think maybe somebody offers up like a fourth rounder for him, but to me it's like, why I would could, you why would you why would you trade for somebody that you haven't seen much out of them the last three years when you could just take a flyer on them and not have to give up any draft capital? That's if you spend the most money to get him. Which is like, how big of a bidding war do you think this is going to be? That's the real question. It comes down to how healthy he is. Because everybody remembers what Michael Thomas did in the league when he was healthy. He was a top three receiver in the NFL. If a team thinks that he can be that again, somebody like the Bills or the Chiefs that feel like they might be one offensive weapon away from being a serious Super Bowl contender... And they have draft capital to lose. Maybe maybe they spend a third on him. I don't know. That, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to talk New Orleans Saints as they wrapped up exit interviews this week. On the game at Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station and your home for LSU and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two, but it's only 30 minutes of Crunch Time here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133. On LUS Fiber, in hour number one, we recapped Georgia just demolishing TCU in the national championship game last night, 65-7. to Here in hour number two, we're going to talk a lot of New Orleans Saints as exit interviews were conducted yesterday with the media following a disappointing 7-10 and 10 season in year number one under Dennis Allen. We have audio from that and much more here in the next half an hour before we turn it over to the voice of the Fighting Tigers, Mr. Chris Blair. But right now, let's go to the game hotline. Luke, what's up? What's happening, fellas? How y'all doing? Doing fantastic, sir. How are you? Doing well, brother. Heading home from a busy day. Cool. Good for you. So listen, my... Uh... My take on the whole Saints thing, and especially the whole Michael Thomas thing, this reminds me exactly of Jimmy Graham a few years ago. Everybody was up in arms that Graham was leaving. You know, the Saints needed to pay him. They needed to do that. And what happened when Jimmy left? He became nobody. Drew made Jimmy's career just like he made Michael Thomas. Now, Michael Thomas might be able to go somewhere and become and and continue his – his career and be and be a very valuable receiver, but I think we shouldn't have paid him years ago. Wide receivers are a dime a dozen, and we should we should have either traded him or or did something to get draft picks because we knew Drew was leaving. We could have set up our locker room a whole lot better than what what it is now. I disagree with you completely. Like going with Jimmy Graham, I, I see what happened with Jimmy because once he went once he went to Russ, it was. It was a completely different story, but we've seen it. Anytime Drew was injured and Mike was still healthy, he still put up numbers. It didn't matter who's quarterback, whether it was Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, whoever you want to put Trevor under center. Simeon. Like whoever you put out there, when Mike was healthy, 
he still had production. It didn't matter who it was under center. He produced. I, I do agree with that, but I don't think he's this five-star, you know, player that, that, that we need to worry about. Like I said, I think we should have cut him years ago. Not cut him, but we shouldn't have paid him, or we shouldn't have paid him as much. And if anything, we should have traded him, got draft picks, and, and went, on, went on with our business. Okay, so let me ask you this. Five five years ago or, or three years ago, when you paid him, if, if you don't if you don't pay Michael Thomas and he's not your number one receiver anymore, who is? Because you already moved on from Brandon Cooks. Uh, we just would have had to find somebody. But then you would have had to pay them close to the same amount of money that you paid Mike. Nah, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, there, there's 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 manageable wide receivers out there that don't cost a hundred million dollars, and the ones that do have too much drama that comes along with them. But he was still relatively young, and he had that rapport with Drew Brees. And it's kind of Drew. Drew's kind of pretty frugal on who he wants to throw to at certain points. He has oh, he picks I, favorites, I, I, and he has that right. I just, like I said, I, I just believe that it's the same thing that that took place with Jimmy Graham. Was that he was overvalued while he was good. He was overvalued by by many people, and and Michael Michael Thomas, in my opinion, falls in that category. He you paid him, and he hasn't been healthy for the last three years. So it's money down the drain that we could have wait that we could have spent on on more reliable resources or going a different direction. I I I understand your point. Appreciate the call, man. Absolutely. Have a good day. I don't agree with it, but I mean the the, the point the point is valid. Yeah, and and in hindsight, it's always twenty twenty because before yeah, when, before when these you, three years of injuries you when, would have never predicted that Mike who was healthy yeah, his whole when career you, when you when you paid him he was healthy as could be and he broke a record the year after he gets paid usually players they they take a different production after they get paid because then they're not as motivated they've already gotten paid now but with with Mike he took it a whole nother level when Mike Thomas is healthy he is a top five wide receiver in this league and that's why that's why I already you know like you're moving on point blank period end of discussion I can name three receivers in this league right now that I could say are better than Michael Thomas Jamar Justin Tyreek That's it not Diggs I don't think Stefan's better than Michael Thomas. No, hmm. I don't. Not Cooper Cup. Nope. Disagree. I don't. I don't think they're better than Mike. When Mike's healthy, Mike's the fourth best receiver in the league. At, at least from from my vantage point, he's he's the fourth best receiver in the league. Um. Now, th- those previous three, I wasn't putting those in number order like i i don't know i would say jamar chase is the best receiver in the nfl it's kind of like a hierarchy right like there, there's levels and i i just again he, he's a top five receiver in the nfl when he's healthy you you, you put him over Devonte. i do you want to talk about a guy that i think is overvalued Devonte adams you think Devonte? i think Devonte is was only as now, don't get me wrong. He had a good season in Vegas. He did have a good year this year. I was going to say he he and Josh Jacobs were the only bright spots, other than Max Crosby on defense. But his whole body of work is Aaron Rodgers. It's just Aaron Rodgers. 
that's all he ever played with at the Correct. time. And th- but this was the first year that we but we you, saw him without Aaron. And you want to talk about? They a, still put up numbers. We'll see if that continues. If that continues, I'll change my vantage point. But right now, I've, I've always thought Devonte Adams was a little overvalued because he put up 200 yards with Jarrett Stidham as his quarterback. Mm. Again, the numbers are there. I, I don't disagree with that. I just don't think that he's a. I don't. I don't think he does anything super special that guys like Justin Jefferson and Michael Thomas do when they're healthy. Does he have elite speed? No, but watching him run his routes, there's a reason why he was put as a 99 overall in Madden. It's because it's so difficult to guard him. And it's like he he makes the contested catches down the field. He goes inside to make the tough catches against linebackers. And whether you press or kind of play back, he knows how to dictate and get open. So let's talk about this. Staying in the topic of the NFL. The San Francisco 49ers are a dark horse of sorts to make it to the Super Bowl. They're my pick out of the NFC to go to the Super Bowl. The question, though, is can they do it with Brock Purdy? Now, you've seen guys do it before. Most famously, Kurt Warner. Unlike bagging groceries. Have you watched his movie? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, fantastic. Fantastic movie. But no, so yeah, nothing like bagging groceries, right? But then the the great part of Kurt, Kurt Warner's story... And this was this was one of the if if I remember correctly this was one of the true aspects of the movie. He went play in an arena league. Correct. And the coach told him that he would give him a one hundred dollar bonus every time he threw a touchdown. That, that's light work. <laughs> give me give me the money. That's easy. And so that's just a, a, an awesome. But you know, going back to the Brock Purdy thing, we talked about Kurt Warner, obviously, you know, running running the greatest show on turf. Trent Dilfer is another guy that, you know, backed his way into a Super Bowl. There there have been guys that have done it before. But were any of them rookies? That's that's, that's, that's where the it gets thing. That's the kicker. And a rookie I was about to say undrafted, but technically he was Mr. Relevant, so he was drafted. You could say he was undrafted. (laughs) He was was the last pick in the draft. uh, It's interesting. Because we haven't haven't seen from the 49ers yet them be legitimately down with Brock Purdy quarterback. They've put themselves in great situations to make sure that they don't have to do that. But at a certain point... You're gonna go down. It's true. You, you've never you're, you've never seen them play from behind. We haven't seen them play from behind. It's We've true. just seen them explode and, and just absolutely but it, bludgeon but other isn't teams. That, but isn't that the mark of a great team? They're never behind. Yes. However, at a certain point, like the time's got to run out that we we got to see this guy, especially in the playoffs. Oh, and that's when and that's when they're gonna die. They're gonna die. It's like once you play one of these teams that 
has been really good all season. And it's kind of on a roll because usually if you've made it into the second and into the championship round, you've gone on a win streak. Correct. So you're kind of riding high. Correct. If you are leading against the 49ers and Brock Purdy, you're asking, okay, we're actually going to put a little more on your shoulders, Brock. I know you're a rook, but it comes down to you, bud, to send us to the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl. We haven't seen him do it yet and get it done. That's that's what worries hey, me about it. No, there there there's a guy in that San Francisco locker room. Mm-hmm. He he's from a really small town. Where's number twenty five? I think it is. Put the team on his back and let him ride. Oh come on! I'm talking about Elijah Mitchell James. Oh. I forgot. I'm, I'm so used to Christian McCaffrey getting the ball now. Come on. Elijah Mitchell had two tutties on Sunday. Two of them. Hard running, man. He's back. He's healthy. He's feeling good. And he is. Who, who's Christian McCaffrey? The Niners don't need him. It's Elijah Mitchell time, baby. He had five carries in the game, and two of them were for touchdowns. Hey, that's efficient. It is efficient. That's efficient. I love how I seven. The, I love how seven different players ran the ball against that in that Arizona game. I touched the ball five times. Two of them I got in the end zone. You're winning. How often does that get replicated, though? I mean, that's fair. But five carries for 55 yards and two touchdowns. The man averaged 11 yards a touch. It's wild. You're not. You're not going to see. These thirty-eight to thirteen games. Well, no, in the playoffs. I, I, I so understand. So to me, it, it, once you get, once it gets down to crunch time, this is where we're going to actually see: is Brock Purdy already that guy, or is it, or is it going to take some time and he's not ready? So, yet? so let, let's play, let's play devil's advocate. Say he is. Say he's that dude. Say they play really well in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles team that some people still aren't one hundred percent sure about. They've had they've had times where you're like, is this team Correct. really legit? Correct. Say they play really well, but the Eagles just play like a play or two better. You don't really get beat. You just kind of, you know, one one or two plays go their way. Blah blah blah. But at that point, you had to rely on Brock a little more, and he, he just at that point he just wasn't ready to Correct. make a, enough plays to put you in the Super Bowl. Is Brock your guy next year, or? Do you go back to a third overall pick that you invested a lot of draft capital in? That's that's what makes things interesting because also Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a free agent. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going back. He's not. Well, it's like at that point, are you going to rely on a third-year guy who the few plays that you did see in the one-and-a-half games that he did play, the team wasn't rallied around him Correct. and they really rallied around the veteran Jimmy Garoppolo more and then you just went to the undrafted rookie and it, it he's it he's just been so it's like are you are you all of a sudden <sighs> putting all your trust into two players that have a combined experience of three or five years I guess you could say or well four technically three because two full years for oh yeah that for Trey Lance even though he was out yep yeah, that's fair very yeah. early in the season. Are you putting I mean, your, all your trust in with a really good team into two quarterbacks who have a combined of three years of experience in the NFL and not have a backup plan so, that's a vet? So how about this? 
What if, what if this happens? Because maybe all three of them come back next year. There, there's a young man. Well, he's he's not young anymore. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. I was gonna say he's not young at all. <laughs> he's a California boy. Mm-hmm. So is Tommy. Tommy boy. Tommy boy. Yeah. But both Cali boys. Both Cali boys. Both, if I remember correctly, both grew up Niners fans. Yes. Because Aaron Rodgers really wanted to get drafted by the Niners in 2005. What if Rodgers plays one final year in San Fran? I remember we had talked about that before. I was like, are the Packers going to trade him? And we seen that, and there was all that, and then all of a sudden, uh, five-year extension. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, the Packers are keeping him. Um, but yeah, so I... There, there's a lot of questions here surrounding the Niners and their future, but at that point, where does Tommy go? Where does Thomas Edward Patrick Brady go? Vegas. <laughs> he go. He goes to join McDaniel's again. Vegas. I don't, it makes sense. It it does. But remember, Jarrett Stidham. Whenever Josh McDaniel's was in New England, that's that was Jarrett. Jarrett Stidham was his guy. Jarrett Stidham. One year, Thomas, Brady. Thomas Patrick Edward Brady. Or did I get that backwards? Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. So I did get it right. Okay. No, you said Patrick Edward. Oh, did I? Yeah. Dang it. Look, the, the that conversation is, Jarrett, look, this is going to be your team. But I need you to wait another year. You're going to have to wait another year. We, 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 we got TB45. Like, you're just going to have to wait. We got TB40 million. <laughs> cool. That's what it's going to cost to get him. Good. Oh, no, it won't. I'm, I'm kidding. But, or I, don't I? Even, I don't even or, think. Or am I? I'm I'm not even too sure that it'll even be very high in the 20s if it if it does get there. Like, if it's a one-year deal, and it's just like one more year with Josh. 24? I can see like 22. Oh. Maybe. That'll be but fun. Like, but like That'll even be then, fun to see how that plays out. Even then, like maybe a, like 18 million. No. For no way. No he's, always, he's always taking it. Why would, why would he all of a sudden be like, give me, because, give me 35? Because why does he need to take a pay cut? He's only got one year left. He's played for 40 years. He's already accumulated He's enough. Been since he was five years old. Yeah, that's okay. Dude was in the womb, ready to play quarterback oh for the Patriots, slinging slinging balls around the yard. That's so funny. That's so funny. Let's be honest. We tend to have a lot of fun here at the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. If you are looking for a career change and have any type of sales experience, from retail to telemarketing and everything in between. And Delta Media wants to hear from you. Email your resume to sales director Johnette Cochran at jcochran at deltamediacorp.com or by calling 896-1600. We'll take a time out, and when we return, we'll preview LSU and Florida from Gainesville right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back for the final time today here on Crunch Time. Do we remind you that football fans, call your own plays during the NFL playoffs with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because when you bet... NFL same game parlays from now through January 16th. Got six days left. All customers can get $100 in free bets, win or lose. All you have to do is place a $20 bet or more on NFL same game parlays or same game parlay plus bets during the wild card round. 
the more you bet, the more you'll get back in free bets. NFL same game parlays are a perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a larger payday. I'm going to take a Josh Allen to throw at least two touchdowns, a Stefan Diggs anytime touchdown, and then the Bills money line. Build your own or choose from one of our popular same game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top rated sportsbook app. If you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, you can now get $100 in free bets, win or lose, with signing up with promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Bonus issued is not withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet is $100. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. All right, so LSU hosts Florida tonight inside the PMAC. It is not in Gainesville. Uh, apologies for that. Whoopsie. Last, <laughs> before the break. But, uh, you know, looking at this game, the, James, the teams are pretty even. LSU scoring about 71 a game. Florida scoring about 75. Florida's giving up 67. LSU's giving up 65. They both shoot the ball 45% from the field. They're both getting about 35 rebounds a game. Like Stats-wise, they're pretty similar. The biggest difference is that Florida gets six blocks a game. Six. That is impressive, impressive numbers. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see that matchup tonight. Florida 8-7 and seven on the year, 1-2 and two so far in SEC play, while the Tigers are 12-3, and 1-2 and two in SEC play as well. The biggest factor in tonight's game for LSU is... You're not going to be able to stop him, more likely than not, but at least try and slow him down. Colin Castellon. Yeah. The, the dude, senior, dude the leads senior the, forward. Dude leads the team in four out of five major categories. Yes, he does. Leads the team in points, almost 15. Leads in rebounds. Leads in steals, and like you alluded to, he has half the blocks a game for the team with three. You know, and he's a shorter fella at, at 6'11", 240. He's a he's a shorter cat getting three blocks a game. Good he's for a short, shorter gator. Good for him. Good for him. No, I I I am kidding. Six eleven is not short by by any stretch of the imagination. But James, you know who who wins tonight? I think it's it's been really tough because before that Georgia game for Florida, not a couple days ago. Florida was on a three-game losing streak. Yeah. And now you got to come to the PMAC where LSU is looking to end that two-game losing streak. Even though Castellon is going to give them a good chance, I still lean towards LSU. Yeah, so I mean, with, with how they got manhandled in the paint last game against Texas A&M, I think they're gonna they're gonna come back with a vengeance. Like we are, Matt McMahon is like we are not letting that happen again. Correct. No shot. Yeah. I, I not only that. I I think you play better down low. I think Adam Miller has a better shooting performance than he did against Texas A and M. Uh, Tigers win th- this one at home. Um, it might not be pretty. It might be very close. But I think LSU is able to eke out a win in this one. Quickly, b- before we get out for the day, uh, we-, we talked earlier about hearing from Dennis Allen, and we'll hear a lot of it tomorrow here on, on Crunch Time. But I did want to bring you one clip b- before we head out for the day. Dennis Allen was asked 
if he had talked with Gail Benson following the end of the season? Well, yeah, we've talked throughout the season, but, um, you know, I feel like I've got Mrs. B's uh, support. She's been nothing but outstanding for, for She's us. She's in my corner. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure that at some point we'll sit down and, and, and visit. But, um, but no, I have not spe- haven't specifically sat down with her after the season and, and went through a rehash of the, of the season. Which is necessarily fair. It's only it's only a day after. Correct. At that point, it was like day after the season. Like it's it's not like you're gonna automatically be like, all right, got some serious things to talk about. You you probably get to with with it within a week or two. Agreed. However, you and I discussed this off the air. If Dennis Allen had to stand in a room full of media professionals and say, "I feel like Mrs. B, I have Mrs. B's full support." That's concerning. Like, to me, that should go without saying. Now, I understand he had to say it because he's answering the question. And the, the this was the second but, time that that question was kind of brought up. Like, hey, do you see changes in the coaching staff? And it's like, he, he's kind of was dodging kind of being like, I mean, it's been kind of like that. Like, it's way too early to look at it. You better have a new offensive coordinator next year. That's all I'm saying. I completely agree. I'm over Pete. You better have a new offensive coordinator. Pete's nothing without Sean. Because because uh, if you don't have a new offensive coordinator come September, I want you out too. So that's that's that. Thanks to Jay Walker for joining us today. James Mesh, appreciate everything you do. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe. Be well. Give a hug to your mom and them. And we'll be back tomorrow 4-6 to six, right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the World Series champion Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. Let's turn it over now to the voice of the Tigers, Mr. Chris Blair inside the Pete Maravich Assembly Center for LSU versus Florida.